Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. On today's show, you'll hear my visit with Anthony Knockreiner of the Knock On Sports. I go on his show throughout the NFL season. We talk Seahawks. We talk whatever is up in the NFL in terms of big topics. And this week, of course, was the Super Bowl. And for the Seahawks, Greg Olson, former tight end for the Panthers, set to visit Seattle. And also we talk about Russell Wilson's desire to play more up-tempo offense. So here it is, my chat with Anthony Knockreiner on the Knock On Sports. The NFL season is now over. The Kansas City Chiefs won the last game of the NFL's 100th season. And to recap it all and get ready for the 101st season of the NFL is my good friend Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Uh, Brandon, it is great to have you on the show, man. And uh, I got to say, I think we got to make this a tradition whenever an NFC West team other than the Seahawks is in the Super Bowl, because every time you come on the week before the last two years, the NFC West is lost. Yes, I know. I can't miss one now, because if I do, then it'll be my fault if an NFC West uh, team wins. And yes, it's it's great for the Seahawks to be the only team in the NFC West since they went into the NFC West in 2002 to win a Super Bowl title. This is it, it feels good to me every time uh, an opponent, a rival loses. Somebody, somebody pointed this out on social media, and I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, the last time that San Francisco lost a Super Bowl, Seattle then won the Super Bowl after that. That's right. Yeah. So if, if for all those people out there who are complaining about how Pete Carroll is saying it's just like 2012 and how he's used that over and over, now, now it's more like 2012. <laughs> Uh, Brandon, uh, going to Super Bowl 54, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs get it done. Uh, very impressive what the, what they did. What was your takeaway from the game? Well, I I didn't think that uh, they'd be able to come back from a double-digit deficit. I said that to you, and I, I thought that they may end up in that kind of deficit, considering that you know, they did it against the Titans, they did it against the Texans, and yet in the fourth quarter, down 10 points, they were able to come back and end up winning by double digits. So, um, yeah, con- <laughs> huge congrats to Casey. I didn't think that they'd be able to do it, especially with the San Francisco defense, but, you know, you go back to that third and 15 play deep down the field to Tyreek Hill, and that's really what turned the game. Always looking for those big splash momentum plays, and that was definitely it. So let me ask you this then, Brandon. What was more surprising to you? The fact that the Chiefs defense did play well for most of that game. They were able to stop uh, the San Francisco 49ers rushing attack for the most part in that game, or the fact that the 49ers defense crumbled in the final seven minutes. Definitely more surprising to me that the 49ers defense crumbled in the closing minutes because I I didn't expect that from them. I thought if they were able to get significant pressure on Mahomes through the first three quarters, they'd be able to continue it through the end of the game. And they they weren't able to do that. One of the things that was surprising on offense for me for the 49ers is... Up until that fourth quarter, whenever they were handing the ball to Debo Samuel, whether it was through the air, whether it was on the ground, you know, stretching the the Kansas City defense on the edges, that seemed to be working really well. And then they went away from that. I think if they would have continued to to try and uh, get the get the ball to their playmaker and Debo Samuel in that mm-hmm. game, I, I think they would have had more success in that fourth quarter. So what you're saying is, is you think Shanahan blew this? <laughs> well, he blew it in a sense. I don't know if I. Coming out of the game, a lot of people are saying that it's a, another choke job by Shanahan. And I, 
I can't go quite that far. A 10-point deficit to, you know, a guy like Patrick Mahomes and the, the Chiefs who are, they are so quick at at scoring scoring. And I a little part of me is a little bit surprised that they didn't try and go downfield more earlier in the game. But I I still I can't bring myself to say that they choked because they just there were moments where they had opportunities and Garoppolo just couldn't execute. I was going to say, I don't really feel like it was Kyle Shanahan's you know entire choke job. I kind of agree with you on that. I don't think this is entirely him uh, blowing this game. I think at the same time, too, I mean, listen, I don't have a real problem with what Kyle Shanahan did. He was trying to be aggressive. You can't sit on a 10-point lead with Patrick Mahomes, even with seven minutes to go. You need to be aggressive because you want to put this thing away. You don't want to leave any doubt uh, that, that possibly Kansas City could come back. And, I mean, you look at it, I mean, all you need is just a few more inches for that ball to be a little bit closer to Emmanuel Sanders. And maybe we're talking about something right. different. Right. I, I was going to say, if if Garoppolo hits Emmanuel Sanders on that deep that deep pass, then it's a touchdown and it's a completely different game. You know, and another difference, too, if Damian Williams, if that isn't called a touchdown right there on on third down and it's fourth and one in that situation, I I don't know if the Chiefs go for it. I think with the field goal tying it up, I think Andy Reid has to kick that field goal and then it's a tie game at that point. Very different outlook and a very different change of pace. And I mean, I, I will say this with that call, though, I would I would have been really it was really tough to overturn that. Like it, I mean, was, it was tough to overturn and because you, you just didn't have enough with the camera angles in to see as soon as his, you know, if you had the pylon cam to see like when his toe was going out of bounds and another pylon cam pointing the other direction so you could see the ball going over the plane, that would be one thing. But yeah, there just it wasn't enough there to overturn it. Don't worry. They're already the cable companies are working on pylon cams for both <laughs> that. So that way they can fix this. You need a 360 pylon cam. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, here's my interesting question for you, Brandon, because obviously Patrick Mahomes, now that he's done a lot of things already as an MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl championship as well. Um, Russell Wilson still looking for that MVP, almost had it this year. Uh, but is Russell Wilson maybe the closest person to like, I mean, a lot of people look at Patrick Mahomes being that next Tom Brady type of quarterback, being that guy that dominates the league. Uh, is Russell Wilson kind of Patrick Mahomes manning? Uh, well, I, I would like to see the two of them face off in a Super Bowl. I think that would be, uh, you know, a good start to that kind of rivalry. I think it's a little bit too early to start crowning Mahomes. Like I think we're we're hearing from a lot of people because you know you can you can get one earlier in your career and then spend the rest of your career trying to get back there because Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers. Well, <laughs> it's because once the team has to pay its quarterback, we've seen so many teams. You know, struggle to really be dominant over the long haul. And it was because of Tom Brady always taking a little bit less that allowed the Patriots to have you know, surround him with so many more weapons. And we're going to have to see once the Chiefs with their salary cap situation, can they keep Chris Jones and pay Patrick Mahomes and keep Frank Clark and Travis Kelsey and, you know, so many other we weapons on that team, you know, you know, Tyron Matthew, and then they're paying Watkins and Tyreek Hill. So, you know, there's, there's so many guys that they're paying big money to on that team. That's not going to be sustainable for them. Yeah, that was going to say, that was my biggest thing last week when I said, you know, if Mahomes wants to go to multiple Super Bowls, I don't necessarily think he has to take a huge hometown discount, but at the same time, he does need to take a page out of Tom Brady's book because you're absolutely right. You look at it, Aaron Rodgers, highest paid. Matt Ryan, highest paid. Matthew Stafford, highest paid. 
I mean, there's just not enough money with that cap to go around to really be a, a field a really good team the way you need to. Or you need the lucky bounces, and we've seen plenty of teams that just haven't been able to get all the lucky bounces. And the Chiefs are, I'm, I would expect them to make an offer this offseason with him going into uh, his, uh, is this going to be his fifth year contract or fourth, fourth year? year? Fourth, fourth year. year. So they have his fourth year, and then they have the fifth year option. And so if he stays within that, and then goes with a long extension after that, they can spread out his signing bonus, and that would allow him to probably be a lot more competitive salary-wise over the next five, six years. Are you concerned about that, though, with Russell Wilson, considering he is also kind of in that realm? You know, when I look at Russell Wilson's salary cap, it's the way that they structured his deal is the first couple of years up front. It's a it's a more significant portion of the salary cap. And then you get to year three, year four, and it starts to drop a little. So it does kind of give the team a window of opportunity to maybe sign some bigger free agents toward the tail end of the current contract that he's under. Right now, I'm with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. We'll get more thoughts on Super Bowl 54, as well as take a look at some of the offseason headlines going forward for the Seahawks, as well as the NFL overall next year on the Knock on Sports. We're talking about the NFL as they just completed their 100th season, and we're doing that with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Uh, Brandon, everyone's we've kind of talked about it already a little bit, but we've talked about the fact that uh, Kyle Shanahan and you know everyone thinks it's a choke job and everything else. The funny part is, is Andy Reid. That's what we used to say about Andy Reid. Right. So did Kyle Shanahan all of a sudden just become Andy Reid overnight? Well, in a sense, I guess, because you look to the clock management issues at the end of the first half. That's what Andy Reid has been notorious for and always takes a hit on is clock management issues in the big games. And instead, it was Kyle Shanahan at the end of the first half that you know they had an opportunity to score. He doesn't take a timeout and allows time to run off the clock. Then you know the pass interference penalty ends up coming. It, it bites him because uh, Kittle has the push off. And then after that, they're just they're not in position to score and and they have to take a knee. So it uh, it it does it it went back to Shanahan in this one. Brandon, I mean, both teams obviously we we've seen in years past where the Super Bowl does have a hangover, does have a lingering effect, whether you win it or whether you lose it. Who do you think suffers the most from a hangover from the Super Bowl? Is it Kansas City or for San Francisco? Uh, I, if I had to pick between the two, I would pick San Francisco just because it, the personalities on that team, the fact that I think so much finger pointing is going to go toward Jimmy Garoppolo because you look at the two quarterbacks of each team and you had people saying going into this game that for the 49ers that the quarterback was the weak link of this team. And so that's, I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on that team going forward. Brandon, let's talk some Seahawks off season headlines. Uh, something that was interesting is that today, obviously Greg Olson uh, announced that he's going to take a free agent visit uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, obviously we we've seen how the usage of the tight end has really worked out. Uh, Will Disley going uh, down, obviously, but he was having a great season beforehand. I'm trying to think of the guy that caught the game winning touchdown off the top of my head against Tampa Bay. Um, Oh, uh, 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 <laughs> I can't think of his name. Hollister, Jacob Hollister. Hollister. But you guys have used tight ends before, so what do you think about this idea with Greg Olson? Uh, Greg Olson is its an interesting case because he is a little bit on the older side. I expected him to kind of go off into retirement after being let go from the Carolina Panthers, but maybe this is his opportunity to, to see what teams may still want him around. And 
I think it it could work out to be a good fit, but it does make me nervous as a guy who had we watched Jimmy Graham toward the tail end of his career, and you know he's never really been the same since he left New Orleans, and he had a, that significant knee injury when he was in Seattle, and so part of me is worried about Olson's age, but it doesn't hurt for them to bring him in and take a look and see if that's a guy who could fill in and, and be the number two guy. Also, too, obviously the defensive line is going to be interesting. Uh, Javion Clowney, you got to figure out it with him whether they're going to get a contract extension. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons said they're not going to explore re-signing uh, Vic Beasley. Do you do you think the Seahawks need to take a look at him? I think they need to take a look, but he's one of those guys where I would understand them kind of shying away from because he is more of a, a boom or bust type player. He's had such good seasons, but at the same time, you know, there's times where you expect more from him and, you know, guys who are the, the type of pass rushers that uh, teams just don't let good pass rushers leave. Right. And so that is, it's a, it's a big red flag for me that the Falcons are saying, yeah, we're not going to look to resign him or at least let him test free agency. Brandon, something else that was interesting, and I know you guys put this up there as well. Um, you know, Russell Wilson saying he'd kind of like to play since something similar to the Chiefs' offense. I'm sure Seahawks fans would like to see that as well because the Chiefs' offense is so exciting and so fun uh, to really watch. Um, so let me put you this question: Do you think that we're at this point now where okay, Schottenheimer and Carroll kind of really just need to let Russell Wilson loose? I know they want to run the football. But yeah. they need to let him loose, do you think? Well, and when you say let him loose, I, I think that Russell Wilson has to work within the structure of the offense. We've seen in past years where it's, you know, let Russell just run around and throw the football, and that didn't really work very well. I think Russell Wilson, I, I think Russ wants to play in a more up-tempo style offense earlier on in the game. And when I saw him in the interview, that's really what he's arguing for. And it's not the first time that he's mentioned it either. He's talked about how he likes running up tempo. And I think the reluctance with Pete Carroll is if you go up tempo too soon in the game, that does give you the opportunity. It, it gives the other team more opportunities to score in the first half. And he likes to play, you know, more of a ball control style offense and, I don't know if we're going to see as much as Russell wants to see more up tempo in the first half. I I would be really surprised if Pete Carroll were you know going to make a wholesale change to start doing that more often. You do have a franchise quarterback though. I mean, and this is a little bit different. Russell yeah. Wilson does have a different cast of wide receivers. I mean, I really feel like your receiving core is now set. Obviously, uh, Tyler Lockett kind of be the veteran guy. Obviously, there's going to be some other changes, come along, minor ones at that. Um, but at the same time, I feel like this offense is different from a couple of years ago, though. Yeah, and I think that you know, going up tempo and throwing the ball more on first and second down, those are two completely different things. And so I am curious if I could see them throwing the ball more on first down and you know making a switch that way. Because going into you know, the biggest complaint after the loss to the Cowboys the in the previous season in the playoffs you know everybody was talking about how the offense was so run heavy they did shift to be more pass heavy offense this year but they didn't throw the ball as much on first down so I mm -hmm. could I could see them tweaking it in a way but I think the curious thing to me is whether Russell Wilson really needs to be in an up-tempo style offense to feel to get going himself Mm -hmm. And whether or not it's just if if you work in a few more pass plays, if that's going to make that much of a difference. And I don't know with Russell's game if it is. Right now we're with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Uh, Brandon, 
a little bit of a non-Seahawks question. Sure. What's the most interesting off-season storyline you're really keeping an eye on? Oh, for the entire NFL? Mm-hmm. Like, where's Tom Brady going to end yeah, up? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There's one. There's one. Yeah. You know, the the I, I like to cue in on the Super Bowl hangover stuff, especially with the 49ers to see how that goes. It is going to be interesting, though, to see where Brady ends up. The other interesting thing in the offseason is... You know, we haven't talked about the fact that it's the Las Vegas Raiders now, which oh, is true. very strange, and how they handle that that move from Oakland to Vegas. That will be really, really weird, but I think fun at the same time. I mean, I am really looking forward to seeing that brand new stadium. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, I'd like to make a trip down there to see that. Speaking of uh, that stadium, I think we saw that stadium in the new NFL 100 commercial. Did you, did you see that before I, kickoff? You, I missed the NFL 100 commercial. I would. Okay. Either way, well, the cool part was along with that, they also honored all those NFL, you know, top 100 players. Right. And Walter Jones was in that mix as well. Steve Largent. Is, Steve, yeah. Yeah, well, I think he was, he didn't make the oh. final cut. I oh, think Walter the, Jones in the was commercial? the commercial one. No, not in the commercial. Oh. Not in the commercial. The, uh, when they were doing it on the field on before kickoff, okay. they were honoring all those guys. Walter Jones for the Seahawks did make that all-time 100 players list. Yeah. So did Steve Largent. He's, on the, he's in the 100 guys that... I thought, I thought it was only Walter Jones. No, no, no. We had two Seahawks in. Come on. Oh, my bad. My bad. I thought there was only. I thought there was only one because I know Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks made it, but Derek Brooks was the only one on the field. Oh well, well I, I, I didn't see the guys on the too. field, but okay. I, I think I, I from the photos that I saw, I thought I saw Steve Largent there. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, with that being said, we do have a springtime league uh, coming. Um, obviously, I think this one's going to last a little longer than the AAF. Uh, so it doesn't that have to said, work very hard to do it. They just, <laughs> they just have to finish, right? <laughs> Uh, with that being said, any any interest in the XFL and and the the Seattle Dragons? Yeah, well, part of me is interested because uh, you know I was such a fan of Casey Williams when he played. You know, has had his short time with the Seahawks, former Washington Husky, and the fact that Jim Zorn is coaching the Dragons that's a little bit interesting to me. But after the NFL season, I I have a hard time. Like I'm I'm ready to kind of take a step back a little bit and and not be so invested in a team so it's it's almost hard for me to get right back into a, a steady rooting interest and i think it's going to take a little bit of time for the team to grow who, on me who said you had to root extensively for the dragons <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying hey we got football it's we do like have we, football it's not like a complete you know yeah, cliff you know yeah. we got no more football i tried to get into aaf though and it just never worked out for me so i i didn't last long though it didn't last long, but I think my interest <laughs> lasted, you know, two to three weeks where I think they got through six or seven weeks of the season. <laughs> my feature guest, Brandon Schultz with Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Uh, Brandon, I know you guys are going to have a lot of content coming out during the offseason. How can people follow? Yeah, follow at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter and SeahawkersPodcast.com. If you go to FieldGoals.com, we're going to be having an episode coming up later this week looking at the Seahawks salary cap situation. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Brandon, really appreciate your time as always. I know we're going to be chatting, obviously not quite as much as we do during the regular season, but we'll be chatting when we get the free agency, NFL draft, combine, all that and much more. Can't wait for those conversations, my Looking friend. Looking forward to it. 